Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, recorded on April 29th, 2018, before a performance of Unbound B, you'll hear founder of the LEAP program, Claire Sheridan, in conversation with San Francisco Ballet soloist, Lauren Strongen. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interview at the War Memorial Opera House. While you are getting settled, I'd like to announce that this is one of many outreach programs offered by the company. If you go to sfballet.org and click on the Explore tab, you can access information about more events and resources, including podcasts of these Meet the Artist interviews. My name is Claire Sheridan. I am the founder of the LEAP program at St. Mary's College of California, and our guest today, lucky lucky us, is San Francisco Ballet soloist Lauren Strongen. Hello. First of all, Lauren, thank you for being here. I know these are busy, exciting times with the Unbound Festival, and we'll talk about the festival in a minute, but first, um, you joined SFB as a soloist in 2015. In your youth, as you were training, who or what was your inspiration? Well, I started dancing very young. I was three, Um, so my early inspiration actually was the San Francisco Ballet Nutcracker. My mother brought me when I was three here, and I just was hooked and fell in love with it and have been doing it ever since. But as you were a teenager and you you could make decisions about going this way or that way or when things get really difficult, what kept you going? Was it a, a mentor? I had a really close relationship with my family. My mother and my brother were really... Um, kind of kept me on track and were really supportive. So they were always really helpful in keeping me grounded. I moved away. I went to boarding school when I was 11. Um, And so to have that support was really crucial for me to keep keep going and be dedicated. And um, then, of course, I had a lot of teachers that were really passionate and helped me along the way. I went to the Kirov Academy in D.C., And then I went to Germany to the John Cranko School in Stuttgart. And so that was also a huge move for me. And to have my family and the support of my teachers really helped a lot. Uh, What for you personally were this season's highlights? When you look back at this season, what moments come to mind? This has been a really amazing season. I think with the Unbound Festival being a huge focus at the beginning of our Um, season that was you know I think we all kind of been waiting for this moment so it's really nice to to have it premiere and to have such a great reception but I also was able to dance opening night of Frankenstein this year which was really special for me and I also premiered as the novice in the cage in Jerome Robbins the cage which is just so much fun and, and really a ballet that I've always wanted to dance so I was really fortunate In Frankenstein, you played the role of Elizabeth, Dr. Frankenstein's true love. And in an article in Dance Magazine, your co-star, Max Cawthorn, said, Lauren's acting is incredible. Even now, talking about it, I get goosebumps. How did you learn to act? Did it come naturally to you, or did you take lessons? I think it kind of came naturally. I was kind of a dramatic kid and liked to, you know, stage little plays and things when I was growing up. And so I think that 
Part of being a dancer was always a big draw for me. I always loved exploring characters, whether it's in a story ballet like Frankenstein where I can really try and relate to a person, or if it's something like in Unbound, like in Miles' ballet that you'll see today where you kind of, it's a looser story, but there's still a character and you can still kind of find ways to identify and to try and reach the audience. So for me, that's one of the biggest things that I enjoy about dancing. You are married to Joseph Walsh, who has been out this season with an injury. Can you give us an update? How is he doing? He's doing really well. Um, he unfortunately was out this season with a patellar tendon tear, um, and he was just kind of had to step back and take some time to heal, and he had a few injections which were really successful, and he's nearly completely healed now and, and ready for next season. When you look back at your time together, since you joined San Francisco Ballet, was there a moment where you felt so proud of him or just so tickled for him? I mean, Joseph is just an amazing artist, and I am always inspired by him in every role that he does, and I think he continues to surprise me. And I think this year in particular because it was a different experience for him to be injured he ha he's never had an injury that's taken him out of a season um, but to see how he really leapt into the healing process and um, he even was able to coach the principals in Frankenstein this year to really share that firsthand knowledge and see how he is as a coach was really exciting so the Unbound Festival, a miracle of organization and creativity. Twelve dance makers, twelve new ballets presented over 17 days. Um, the math is that Helgi divided his 78 dancers into three mini companies. And um, uh, each choreographer was given three weeks to create a new piece. So each mini company learned four new ballets. Which ballets, Lauren, did you dance in? I was fortunate to be involved in all four of my group's ballets. So I was involved in Otherness by Miles Thatcher that you'll see today. I was in um, The Infinite Ocean by Edward Liang, The Collective Agreement by Alonzo King, and Guernica by Annabella Ochoa. What impact did this influx of new choreographers have on you personally? It was a really interesting experience. I didn't know what to expect because we came back in July for the new season and we had three weeks with each choreographer back to back. So it was three months of new creation, which is really unusual for a company. Usually things are spread out. You'll have a new work and then you'll learn something that's already in the repertoire or, you know, you'll learn Sleeping Beauty or, or something that you kind of have a sense of what it's going to be like. So for me, I had never worked with three of the four choreographers that I was assigned to. So I really had no idea how their process would be or you know, how they would respond to me and vice versa. Um, but thankfully, everything was a really positive experience. And I think that you kind of... It was neat as well because, you, like you said, we're in these mini companies so you're with about 25 dancers for three months so you really be kind of make a, a special bond with each other and get to kind of 
learn how some people work that maybe you're not accustomed to working with in the past. So I think that was also really exciting to kind of have this felt like summer camp that you were kind of in this little group together and you're making these new things and um, it's fun. <laughs> is it is it interesting to have a new choreographer come in who might see the dancers in a different light? Definitely. I think it was interesting um, to work with Miles because Miles obviously has come up through the school. He's worked with a lot of the dancers in the company from that time until now and I think in our group Vitor, Louise and I were the only two who hadn't worked with him before so they kind of had a little bit of this secret language or you know understanding of movement and and what Miles likes um, from the beginning and we were kind of trying to you know catch up but I think it was Miles process was so open and such a collaboration that we felt so excited and kind of included and it just felt like everyone was in it together, and we really, I think, believed in his vision and tried to make it as special as possible. And I think you have, we had other choreographers like Alonzo King who really focused on improv and kind of let everyone kind of take the material and then do what you could with it and make it something your own. And then just at the end, we kind of, it came together as one piece. Um, Annabelle came in from day one with the steps. She knew exactly what she wanted. She had the vision. She had, you know, kind of everything set. And then she kind of tweaked it from there. But it was pretty clear that she was a little more type A of a, a person. than you know, she, she had very specific, you know, needs and wants. And I think that's also kind of comforting sometimes. Um, so, yeah, we kind of got a, a whole range of, of processes. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking with San Francisco Ballet soloist Lauren Strongen, and in a while we'll, we'll be able to take some questions from the audience. You can be thinking about that. So this afternoon we're seeing program B, and you mentioned otherness, choreographed by our own Miles Thatcher, who dances, as you mentioned, with the company when he's not creating ballets. Can you talk about the concept or the theme of this ballet? How did Miles first explain it to the dancers? Like I said, Miles was very open about including everyone in the process and making sure everyone was really clear on what he was trying to accomplish. And I think that he really focused on this um, idea of binaries and how, how that can affect an individual and maybe a group of people and what that means today and how we're trying to approach that, I think, as, as people and how to navigate whatever that means for you, whether it's, you know, sexuality or, you know, any host of, of ideas that can kind of influence your life. And I think he had this really beautiful intention of what is it that can connect us and what can, what's like at the core of who we are and trying to explore that through dance with basically a new narrative that he had created with um, Kirsch and he had, had worked on with other people so I think he it was a really interesting experience for me personally to try and um, I was cast in as a protagonist alongside Max Cawthorn who will be performing today and Max and I have worked together quite a bit but we had never shared a role that's quite unusual for one role to be played by both the male and female dancer definitely for me it was the first time um, so that was really 
such an amazing experience to be in the studio with Miles and Max and our partners. I danced with Vitor, Louise, and Sean Orza's Max's partner. And so we really had a very open, collaborative experience of what what movement can I bring as a female and that Max can bring as a male and where can we kind of meet in the middle but both feel really comfortable and it just felt like we all created it together and Max and I, you know, we lift and he's lifted and... You're partnering Vitor. Yes. How did you prepare for that? Lift, lift weights? <laughs> well, it was, it was interesting because obviously I've you know, haven't done a lot of partnering myself, so it felt like boxing. It felt like I was having to do the the opposite of what my instinct was telling me to do. So that was a lot of fun to explore and, and to see, like, oh, actually, I can I can lift a man, and <laughs> you know. Um, but we do exactly the same. The choreography is the same in both casts. Um, well, you, you mentioned that. Um, you like to collaborate. Has this always been that way? Do you, you like improvisation? I do. I think there's something really special about being involved in a new work that you can really put yourself into it. Um, I love doing existing work, but, you know, there's only so much room you have to be an individual. You know, the steps are set, and a lot of time they're very specifically set. So I think when you're involved in a new creation, you can really influence a lot of the movement and the intention, um, which I think is really exciting. So you can really not only work with the choreographer, but you can kind of challenge yourself and see what new things you can do in your own body. There's uh, the use of color. It's important in this ballet, and you've, you've got groups. I was wondering if you had any, while you were creating this piece, if, if there were nicknames for these groups that you can share. Yeah, he, Miles kind of had this idea that the, the blue team would be kind of like, you know, maybe a little bit more like type A, so they were a little more like synchronized swimmers, and they had kind of movement that was, you know, kind of reflected that, and they moved as a very um, synchronized team, and that the protagonist would kind of stick out because they weren't naturally you know, able to do that kind of movement, and so they really struggled to fit in. Um, And then the pink team was kind of like, they're a little bit more, not aggressive, but kind of brash, and they were more like a rugby team and kind of had a little bit more kind of grounded movement. And um, the Sean Vitor character kind of comes from that side. And so I think he really wanted to separate the movement based on the two lead characters and how they fit in or don't fit into those categories. The second ballet is Snowblind, choreographed by Kathy Marston. It's a classic love triangle. It's a story ballet based on the Edith Wharton novel, Ethan Frome. And the setting is New England in the winter, 1911. You saw this ballet recently. Do you have any thoughts? I did. I finally got to see it um, for the premiere. It was I got, you know, sometimes you would be able to see other ballets while they were being rehearsed, and sometimes they didn't get to see anything. And Snowblind was one ballet that I wasn't able to see in the rehearsal process at all. So I felt really like an audience member being able to just come and watch. Um, And I really enjoyed it. I thought the staging was beautiful. I love what she did with the set and the design. I thought it was 
Um, it's also not the easiest to tackle a known narrative, and I think to do that with contemporary choreography is really beautiful. I love how she used the... I thought the group is just amazing as the snowflakes and the way they come in and out and change scenes. I thought it was really beautiful. And um, the, some of the movement that Sarah Van Patten and that um, Ulrich dance, I just was really surprised and thought it was really inventive. If you're not familiar with the, with, with the story, you, can, you check your program notes. I felt if you kind of know the story more, as a, it always helps to know the story. Um, for story ballets. Would you want to choreograph? No. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? I just don't... um, I like being in the process. I I like making movement on myself as far as being directed and being given some kind of, you know, material. But I just don't think that that's something that I was ever interested in doing and I think there are so many amazing choreographers that I wouldn't want to do it just to be average I'd you know like to do I'd like to be given work <laughs> do you like to learn movement in front of a mirror or do you find that is it useful or does it kind of hold you back not necessarily I think sometimes being able to see the movement as an audience member would see it from you know usually from the front can be helpful because you can you know, tweak things that you think, oh, well, I didn't know my leg looked like that, or, you know, things. But I, it's not necessary. I try and kind of have more of the feeling and then kind of either watch a video or see it from, from the mirror later on. Third ballet, Anima Animus, choreographed by David Dawson. And like Kathy Marston, he's British, also trained at the Royal Ballet School. I don't know what they're feeding those dancers there, but they're creating a lot of good choreographers. Uh, your impressions? I thought it was brilliant. I was really blown away. Um, just the amount of dancing. They just don't stop dancing. Um, and to see a ballet that's led by Sofian and Masha... It was just incredible. The, the way that they're able to move and what they do with his choreography was just so brilliant, and I, I thought it was fantastic. It's interesting that the two leads are quite different in height, mm-hmm. and, and so it's interesting to see them cast. Yeah, I think it, it was just an amazing concept to have the two of them. They dance in unison a lot, and like you said, they're very different in their you know, body types and also their style of dancing is very different but I just thought that you could tell that they really believed in the piece and that everyone was just so invested in it and committed and I just I think it's a really beautiful beautiful piece one thing I did notice when I saw it was the use of the arms and the hands you find yourself drawn to the I found myself drawn to the arms and and the the, the beauty of that and the flexed hands, which you don't often, don't often see in classical dance. And the whole piece kind of looks like calligraphy. That's yeah. kind of what hit me. Yeah, I think David Dawson comes from a Forsyth background, so he has some of that technique. And I think the whole piece just looks like everyone's kind of pushing everything to the limit, whether it's, you know, physically or they're running around. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, you see a lot of double partnering when, like, two guys lift one woman. Does that make things easier or harder? Um, 
I wouldn't say it's either, actually. I think it's you're just kind of adding one more person, so I think there's it can add difficulties or it can make things easier. I think it's... Um, I think it's nice to be able to collaborate in other ways as far as, like, you're not just doing a pas de deux, there's a pas de trois, and people can be doing... There's, you have more variety of movement, I think, sometimes with the pas de trois. Um, okay, another type of a question. If you weren't a dancer, what would you be? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think that's the question that dancers have to start asking at some point, which is a very difficult thing to think about, um, especially when... You know, this was kind of the thing that I was... Yeah, yeah a career yeah. like yours is a hard act to follow. Um, but I did I did always want to be um, a doctor growing up. I think that was something that I had thought that if I had, you know, two lives going at the same time, I probably would have pursued medicine and something that I am still interested in, in doing later on. Um, talking about the role of social media, some, some dancers have a great presence on, online and some don't. What do you feel about this? How important is it for dancers to have a website or to interact with, with the public? I can't say that it's necessarily important for each dancer to do that. I think it's an individual thing where you feel, you know, some people feel compelled to do it. Some people feel very comfortable doing it. Um, I think what is useful is that it does connect more people to dance that might not be able to experience it. And I, for myself, it connects me with other dancers around the world that I might not be able to see. You know, I can keep up with what people are doing around the world or in another company or friends of mine that have, you know, that I've passed cross with. Crossed paths. <laughs> Crossed paths with. <laughs> so I, I do enjoy that. And I think that there are benefits, and I think for young kids, it might be a way to be exposed to dance if you can't come to a theater and you can't, you don't have access to that. I think that that's important. Your summer plans? I have a little bit of dancing to do afterwards. I'm going to perform in Spain, and then I'm going to take some time off and travel. Um, I'm going to spend some time in Morocco and in Europe, and yeah. Eat and sleep and <laughs> see hang out with your Orson. Hang out. Yes, yes, of course. Why don't I have, you tell them about Orson. I have a, an English bulldog who <laughs> is just the best, one of the best parts of my life <laughs> at the moment. He's, he's just a really great guy. And How'd you find him? I had been looking for a dog. I grew up in a family with lots of animals, and so when I was living in Houston, I really wanted to get a dog, and Joe was a little resistant and so I kept showing him you know like rescue dogs that I would find and what about this dog and can we please have this dog and one day we saw an English bulldog puppy and he said we can have that dog (laughs) so I found a breeder that day and we went out to like the middle of nowhere in Texas and found Orson and that was a great day one last question before we take questions from the audience. Um, any thoughts about next season? I mean, I was... It's been day by day. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> <You're> not, <laughs> I can't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'm really excited. There's a lot of really interesting work that I haven't done before that um, I'm really excited about The Little Mermaid. I've worked with John before, and I just... I think he has such a special process, and... Um, I really love his work, so I'm, I'm excited about that. 
I'm excited about Ratmonsky's trilogy coming back. I got to see part of that performed before I joined the company, and I think it was it's just a really beautiful piece, so I'm, I'm excited. And we're also anxious to you know do some of these ballets from the Unbound next year and to perform them on tour. So that I think that it'll be nice to be able to re- revisit some of these pieces and kind of get even deeper into the process of, of learning. Okay, some questions, please. Yes, Okay, let me see if I can remember all that. You were new to ballet. You want to know how many hours a day do you practice? Um, what, what can you do to take time off and, and heal? And what ballet would you like to do? We typically, on a normal rehearsal day, which usually runs from July through November, we have six-hour days, five days a week. Sometimes it's more, depending on scheduling. Um, And now that we're in our season, which runs basically, we do the Nutcracker, of course, in December, but our season runs from January through May. We perform Tuesday through Sunday, and during that time, we're also rehearsing during the day from sometimes two hours to four hours, depending on what we're trying to get ready. Um, and then we'll have double show days, like on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays. So we're, we're here quite a bit, <laughs> but which is nice because then in the summer, usually from May to July, if we don't have a tour, we have that time off to heal and really relax and then slowly get back into shape. And as far as what ballet... Um, there's, there are so many, um, of course, there's ballets that haven't been made yet that I'm, I'm sure I'll really be excited to dance. But as far as choreography that I've really wanted to do, I would love to do Afternoon of a Fawn by Robbins. Um, Menon is one that I've done bits of that I would love to do full length. Um, those are two kind of top, top ones for me. That's over here. Talk about the school, your first school that you got into, and maybe also mention the Kirov Academy and what brought you to Germany, too. Was it hard to get into the school, number one? I trained at a small school in in Phoenix, um, Arizona, which there was an audition for um, the Kirov Academy in D.C. for the summer program. And I went there and was asked to stay for the year. Um, And I was really serious about wanting to be a professional at that time, so I knew that something like a boarding school setting was going to be really valuable for me. Um, so it was it was difficult to be away from my family, and I think it took some adjusting as, you know, I don't think an 11-year-old kid really knows how to do much <laughs> on their own. So it's kind of, that was an adjustment um, and long days of dancing, but I also really enjoyed it. So I think that you know, I was doing what I really wanted to do, so I think it was really a fun time for me. Um, and then my last two years of training, I decided to go to Germany to the John Krenko School. I um, the Kirov was a very Russian classical school, and I really wanted to be exposed to more contemporary work, and I wanted to dance in Europe and just be exposed to a new experience. And the John Krenko School is a really well-known ballet academy and one that I really admired. So I applied there and was accepted, which was a great experience. Yes. How did you explore the character of... I didn't hear the ballet. For Frank, yeah. Frankenstein, how did you create the character or 
or explore the character of Elizabeth in Frankenstein? I was able to see um, the ballet premiere in London, which was really amazing to see the dancers there perform. I got to see two casts, and so I think that was the first experience I had with the ballet was to see other people dance and then to be in the process as well. I started to kind of develop my personal take on the character. I read the novel. I, I tried to get as much information about the character as I could. But Liam also created such a well-rounded character that I think it was really easy for me to kind of put my own personal um, kind of feelings towards her into it. And he was really open about it being an individual experience. So I think we each were able to make it our own. And I just, it was a role that I really identified with. And I think it was kind of an, something that I felt like it felt right. Folks, we are caught by the clock and we are out of time. But please join me in thanking our guest today, San Francisco Ballet soloist, Lauren Strongen. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programming, check out sfballet.org slash explore.